We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to a new episode of the Sox Machine Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Nelson, and this episode is released on Monday, June 13, 2022, and I feel like this is a turning point for the Chicago White Sox season. Things are not getting better. They have another losing homestand, losing both series against the Los Angeles Dodgers, which was expected, and the Texas Rangers, very not expected. Injuries are piling up. The lack of major league quality depth is rearing its head, and the core players are still having trouble producing. Bless Jake Berger and his hot run, or the White Sox would be in serious trouble. Well, they are in serious trouble. They are 27 and 31 on the season. They're six games back of the Minnesota Twins for first place, three games back of Cleveland for second place. Is this White Sox team still a contender in 2022, or are they on the brink of collapse? Well, joining me to discuss from Washington, D.C., is the managing editor of SoxMachine.com and the co host of the podcast, it's Jim Margulis. And hello, Jim. Last week, I had to record from Las Vegas. This time, you're recording from Washington, D.C. Unfortunately, we don't have a fancy podcast studio for you to use to record from Washington, D.C., but how is the nation's capital? Yeah, I'm in a FedEx office in a Marriott, so I'm basically just- <laughs> You got scared over. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, it's a quiet place, the, the most quiet place to record while a baby is sleeping in the hotel room. So this is what I have. So yeah, apologies for that. Uh, apologies uh, for the, yeah, it, I'm sure I would sound better if we had better things to talk about, but for the time being, we have to- uh, I have to not sound great while talking about things that are not great, but I did go to a Nationals game uh, just to kind of cleanse the palate. Nationals Brewers, a game I didn't care about, and got to see Juan Soto in person and such, and that was nice. Uh, you know, nice to get away and not. Of course, that was the game the White Sox won, so I missed that, and I got to see you know everything that went wrong around that. That was great, but yeah, that's how I am. <laughs> well, I put up a poll on Twitter. Uh, after this weekend series against the Texas Rangers. And I asked our Twitter followers, which state are the current White Sox closer to? 
state of contention or a state of collapse. And we had over 1,300 votes on Twitter and 89% said collapse. Mm -hmm. Jim, where is your head at for this White Sox team? It feels like collapse just because of all the weird pitching decisions and alterations in the previous 24 hours uh, from Michael Kopech. Yeah, basically Michael Kopech uh, getting hurt uh, basically toppled a lot of dominoes, which led to Johnny Cueto having to pitch uh, five innings when he wasn't expecting to and handling it remarkably well. But then Lance Lynn gets bumped up a day before he was going to. And then you saw Dylan Cease throwing in the bullpen uh, in the eighth inning. And supposedly, allegedly, he was, you know, they're not planning on using him while Tanner Pinks was pitching. But I don't necessarily believe that. You know, I think if they need an inning from, I think they're going to warm him up once. Like a case where if they, he needed to come in and throw an inning on a side day, they would have done it. Um, but because they didn't want to get him up and down, uh, that would basically, basically you know, ruin the whole um, idea of using a side day for a productive major league inning. So that, I think, was, you know, that they were masking that a little bit. And now Kopech theoretically felt something pop in his knee, but also might be able to pitch next Sunday. Like, I don't necessarily trust that, so... Right now, you add it all up, and you have a guy coming off uh, knee surgery who's pitching a day before he was expected to after getting rocked his last rehab start. Like, a lot of things are wrong here. Like, everything is slightly wrong about three pitchers uh, in one half the rotation, and that's after Cease blew a 4 nothing lead and Giolito blew a 5 nothing lead. Like, this all feels like it could slide into the seat. So I think if they can maybe survive this week and show well against the Tigers, whom you know under normal circumstances they should be able to show well against, maybe they can get back on, on track and get back on their feet. But if they have another week like this past week, I don't know if there's any coming back from it because I imagine the pitching will – like I don't see a down week where the pitching doesn't suffer more. Yeah, because you have this upcoming day off Thursday – and they don't have another day off for two weeks, which mm -hmm. is another Thursday, which is the last day of June. And after that, the next day off the White Sox have is the all-star break. So there's like really no time to breathe unless the White Sox do some type of rain dance, Jim, yeah. uh, that gets them an extra day off that they're not planning for. But after the Thursday day off, they start, you know, they go to Houston and they come back home and it's nonstop their series against Toronto and a four game series against Baltimore. And then they have their West Coast trip where they visit Anaheim and San Francisco before they come back home for that really now critical stretch of division games the White Sox have uh, in July. So with the pitching and who's going to be available for the Detroit series, we're going to talk about that later the show when we preview that particular series, but I'm with you leaning towards collapse. And one part of it is injuries. And it just seems like the White Sox cannot stay healthy, Jim. Like Rick mm -hmm. Hahn will continue to say, just wait until we are healthy. Rick, I've got bad news, bud. I know you want to be optimistic, but the chances of you having a 100% healthy team, the team that you put on the whiteboard before opening day, it's not happening. 
because whenever someone returns, Jim, it just seems like someone else is going on the injured list. And mm-hmm. we could see Michael Kopech, which I don't understand where the White Sox are getting to thinking that he can make his next start on Sunday against the Houston Astros because he could not put any weight uh, on his leg to even throw a warm-up pitch in front of the trainers to see what was wrong. So something magically changed uh, in the afternoon on Sunday. I, I doubt it. And I'm always pessimistic when it comes to White Sox injuries, thinking they are worse than they actually are. And that's always been a helpful guide uh, to set reasonable expectations. But yes, Buddy Grandal had to leave the game because mm-hmm. of a nagging injury. So even though you got Tim Anderson and Aloy Jimenez playing down in Charlotte together during the rehab, the White Sox could be sending Grandal and Kopech to the IL. And there's just really nobody else, especially in the pitching front. I don't know who else is available, Jim, to make starts outside of Davis Martin. I don't know if Jimmy Lambert's going to be in a position to make starts for the White Sox. And I look at this 40-man roster, and we always point out on how messy it is and how much there's just too much fat on it. And is this just the state of the White Sox farm system that – they are dangerously close to not having anyone that they could count on to start games or maybe even pitch out of the bullpen. This is what we feared, you know, going into the season where like, you know, when they signed uh, Vince Velasquez and and thinking like, well, you know, it's fine if Keuchel and Kopech are able to pitch like we think, you know, they, they, or like, in the case of Keuchel, maybe not like he pitched like we thought he could, but maybe just, you know, hold up or uh, fifth starter and a job in the rotation in Kopech, you know, could be managed to throw 120 plus innings. You know, that's fine. Then you need a spot start here and there, but you know, as we, as we talk about, as we see, as we try to plan for, you know, every team needs at least six starters and then maybe seven starters, maybe eight starters. Cueto has been a miracle. Uh, and basically he, if you treat him as like Dallas Keuchel being paid, um, you know, $22 million a year. If you, you add in both their salaries, <laughs> like that's kind of, I'm looking at like Cueto is like 20 million, $22 million title, like fine. Yeah. Overpaid, but productive throw six innings gives you a chance to win. Terrific. He even now proving his utility just for being a gamer and going pitching when he wasn't supposed to, uh, you know, that's, you know, even with that, that I think that's, what's kind of surprising here is even with Cueto exceeding, all expectations or at least you know most expectations he's you know he has been an all-star has been a, a Cy Young candidate so it's not completely out of the realm of of you know reality that he could do something like this but it's been a very very pleasant surprise and even with him doing what he's doing the White Sox are still in such dire straits even Davis Martin being a, a pleasant surprise mm-hmm. and, and being like the Jonathan Steve or Jimmy Lambert type starter like I, I think you know they're having to go deeper, but you know, I would say with the emergence of Martin, the emergence of Cueto, like depth isn't the problem. Like they had enough season season starting depth. Now it's just a matter of like, what's wrong with your training staff? What's wrong? And, and even then, it's like more along lines of what's wrong with your offense, because the offense could, you know, uh, score five plus runs on a routine basis against right hand pitching. Like even like you know, once every four games. Uh, then, you know, the, they could, uh, Tony LaRusso could ask less from his starters and, and use his low leverage guys more. Like just the lack of blowout wins puts all the stress on, and I think an unreasonable amount of stress 
on the White Sox pitching staff to where like depth, you know, even if they had one extra starter, who cares? <laughs> Just because they would be subject to the same thing. It'd be like, uh, um, you know, here's another guy. Let's see how much weight we can throw on until he collapses and, and on and on it goes. So that's why I think like, just, you know, because of Cueto, because of Martin, I don't think you can point to starting pitching depth as the issue. It is an issue now, but not, you know, it just basically issues one, two, and three all on the podium, you know, gold, silver, bronze medalist is the offense. And that's just, uh, that's really tough. And that's really hard to watch. The offense did score. They they have scored runs in the last four games. Unfortunately, the bullpen is gassed and they're not holding leads. And Giolito and Cease don't hold leads lately. Mm-hmm. That might be Giolito and possibly COVID impacting him. It just seems like he's running out of gas at the 75 pitch mark in his last in his last three starts. He's allowed a big inning to allow the opponent to come back or take the lead. Uh, against the White Sox. And then, and then C's also had the same issue as well. The the other points so that lead me to believe that the White Sox are closer to the brink of collapse than getting themselves back to contending for the postseason. They are not winning at home, Jim. The mm-hmm. White Sox are now 13 and 17 at home. They have a negative 48 run differential at home. They're a 500 team on the road. Slim run differential in the negative. There are four games below 500 at home, and it's a huge run differential for the White Sox. And compare that to last year in 2021, the White Sox were 53 and 28 at home with a plus 113 run differential. So in order for the 2022 White Sox to match the 2021 White Sox home record, they're going to have to go 40 and 11 in the remaining 51 home games and outscore their opponent by 161 runs in those 51 games. I I don't see that happening because they'll need to have a winning margin of like three or four plus runs with every win uh, to meet that run differential. So that's where that's one big drop off from last year to this year. The White Sox are not playing well at home. In the home run column, too, uh, Steve Stone mentioned during the game they're being out homered 38 to 27 at home. Uh, so, I mean, and, and you've written about that before, you know, in mm-hmm. previous years, like the rebuild, the, the end of the rebuild, uh, you know, as they're starting to get things, uh, you know, ramped up to contend. You know, you wrote about how they had a home run problem specifically at home and in getting their park used against them, it's happening again. Yes. Uh, the record against the American League Central. So, this upcoming series against Detroit is three more divisional games. But we we have been saying as well that the White Sox have the easiest remaining schedule in Major League Baseball. They're off to a terrible start. They're one and two uh, during that easiest schedule. Um, but, you know, the hope of, well, the, when the White Sox play, you know, their rivals in the division, things will get better. Well, they're seven mm-hmm. and 12 against their division. Kansas City is terrible. They, they are not a good baseball team. And the White Sox are only four and four against them. This is the first series the White Sox have against the Tigers since the opening day series. So we'll see on how things go. And we'll talk more about that series later. I I mentioned as far as the injuries and then the underwhelming performances from the core players of Luis Robert and Yoan Makata and Yasmani Grandal before he got hurt. Uh, And a little bit of Jose Abreu. Just the question that I have is where are the home runs? Uh, Because the weather is warm 
And we are seeing the ball starting to jump out of the ballpark uh, Mm -hmm. across Major League Baseball. And we're not seeing any home runs from Jose Abreu. Uh, So I'm a little bit concerned there. But I find these like, especially these three points, because every team goes through injuries. Uh, there have been some pretty devastating injuries. You know, the, the Dodgers don't have Walker Bueller now until September. I, I find that to be a pretty devastating injury for the Los Angeles Dodgers that they're going to have to overcome. The Minnesota Twins have more players on the IL than the Chicago White Sox. So the Twins are dealing, dealing with more injuries than the White Sox right now. But not winning at home, playing poorly against your division, and in part of those two is because of the underwhelming performances by Robert Mancata Grandal and lumping Abreu in there. Yeah, I mean, the White Sox have a 466 winning percentage right now, Jim. Over the course of 162 games, that equals to a 75 and 87 record. And they are playing like a 75 win team. And there are 104 games left to go in the schedule. But I, what I would want to, I want to draw people's attention to is that there's only 42 games away from the trade deadline in August 2nd. And we know that even like the White Sox themselves, teams radically change in how they operate. And if you got, you, they've got 42 games really to shape themselves up and get themselves back into this postseason race. Or soon in, in a month, Jim, when we're talking during the All-Star break, we're going to have to ponder what could the White Sox possibly get by trading Jose Abreu and AJ Pollock and start looking ahead to 2023. I know that's a dour pessimistic view, but it's the truth. We've Mm -hmm. got 42 games before the trade deadline to figure out what they want to do for the rest of 2022. Yeah, it's uh it's, you know, we, we talked about the, the schedule and such, but when they show against the Rangers the way they showed, and it was a bit of everything. It was the, uh, you know, the collapse from a starter you expect to hold a big lead. You had the, um, you know, just the random unavailabilities. Like you had, you know, Aaron Bummer not being available and then going on the injured list. You have Liam Hendricks being unavailable despite pitching once in the last five days and barely pitching at that. Like just, you know, one unremarkable seemingly inning is now, you know, that that's, he's unavailable. And, you know, then he had them beating up a lefty, but going silent against the bullpen, you just the, the runs drying up. He had John Gray striking out 10 over six innings. You know, he's an okay righty, but not having that great of a year and and being maddeningly inconsistent, you know, for a second club now after doing so at the Rockies. And they just did not threaten really against him aside from the first inning. So just, you know, the, the Rangers series was a grab bag and the Rangers played poorly. You know, they, they made a lot of mistakes. They, uh, you know, their pitching was compromised. They had guys in the COVID list. You know, this was not a good Rangers team. This wasn't even a good iteration of a possibly good Rangers team. This is just, they were compromised and the White Sox, you know, have injuries, but they were able to roll out a good lineup against the lefty and Martin Perez and raise zero. Like they were able to do damage uh, in, in a way that the Rangers couldn't necessarily count for and had a plan around. And yet they couldn't finish the job. So that's, I think, you know, really troubling. We talk about the the schedule easing up and such is just, yeah, it's, you know, as, as you talk about, there are different guys missing, you know, every series and, you know, the White Sox, they knew they had a strength and conditioning problem, like they tried to tweak it, and they've fired a trainer, and they're currently under a lawsuit for 
possibly if, uh, the way they fired the, the previous trainer. Like they just, uh, you know, it's, yeah, there are a lot of things going wrong right now. And a lot of things that point to, you know, Tony La Russa being in over his head, uh, Rick Hahn being in over his head, um, no accountability. Like Dallas Keuchel so far is the only casualty of the disappointing start to the season. Uh, Tony La Russa will say he's accountable, what, but what does that mean when he can't be fired? Mm-hmm. He can, you know, his version of accountability is saying like, I'm accountable. Great. <laughs> <laughs> like, but, you know, if he c- continues to just, you know, make confounding decisions and his team plays poorly and Luis Robert makes a really stupid final out at third base when his run doesn't matter, like, just, it's, uh, you know, it just, like, they, you know, it's not necessarily La Russa, but the La Russa administration, like Joe McEwing, Daryl Boston, like all the, the coaches apparently not doing a, a whole lot, like, and nobody's going to get fired. So, yeah, it's just, it's, uh, and, you know, if Rick Hahn wants to, you know, I wrote about this, but if Rick Hahn wants to say, well, you know, we heard that we'd never fire a manager in season. I didn't have the power to fire Tony Russo. Like, okay, prove it. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of where I'm at right now. Do it. You know, just, uh, and, yeah, but right now accountability is just like, I'm accountable. It's my fault. And then it repeats and I'm accountable. It's my fault. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I found that quote to be, not funny, but I definitely raised an eyebrow when he's never shied away from being accountable. And it's like, let's look at your DUI story again out of Arizona, Tony. I think mm-hmm. you found a way to avoid being accountable for your actions there. I'm also seeing a lot of people and bless their hearts. They are trying to pump optimism and pointing out to, hey, the Atlanta Braves were in the same situation last year. However, smart people have looked at that Atlanta Braves team and pointed out that team was actually like almost a true 500 team Mm -hmm. because they had a negative two run differential, not this huge hole that the White Sox have to suggest that they were pretty close. And the Atlanta Braves pulled off six trades before the deadline uh, to to rebuild their team. The, The White Sox don't have the farm system to pull off that many trades Uh, before the trade deadline, unless they start moving guys that you don't want them to move. I'm looking at this White Sox season, if I had to compare it to anything, to what we saw last year with the Minnesota Twins and the San Diego Padres. Both of Mm -hmm. those teams had really bad 2021 seasons that it it got away from them, and they had their collapsed moment. But you look at them now, you know, the twins traded Jose Barrios and Nelson Cruz before the deadline, and they got some useful pieces back in both of those trades. They're in first place in the American League Central. Traded Josh Donaldson, too. Yeah, traded Josh Donaldson in the offseason, signed Carlos Correa, even though it's a weird contract and it may be one year and done, but they got bold this offseason. San Diego's always bold, whether that's before the season, during the season, or in the offseason. And the San Diego Padres have been playing such great baseball while the Dodgers struggle that the Padres have caught the Dodgers in the National League West. So both of these teams that had really disappointing, shockingly disappointing 2021 seasons were able to reload. And I think they both have very strong chances of winning their respective division. So for me, looking for optimism right now, it's with the core players. Like if Luis Robert, Yoan Makata, Grandal and Jose Abreu, if they woke up, if they snapped out of it and they're hitting six to seven home runs a month and, you know, they're playing this type of baseball that we were expecting them to play before the season 
that's where your optimism is. But if they continue to struggle, it's, it's, it's difficult for me, Jim, to not look ahead to 2023, to not look around and see what teams could be interested in a Jose Abreu or what teams may call about AJ Pollock and the White Sox unloading the players that are going to be pending free agents, not saying the White Sox can't re-sign Jose Abreu after the season, but Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to not look ahead to that because people will say, well, wait a month. Okay, well, in a month, it's the all-star break. What if they're still below 500? And now they're like eight to 10 games back of the Minnesota Twins. Is that okay then to suggest that? Yeah, maybe after the MLB draft activity, Rick Hahn should pick up the phone and, and start talking about unloading the players that are going to be free agents soon. Like that's where I feel the White Sox are at this moment. And mm-hmm. that's why I feel like they are on the brink of collapse because that would be collapsing for this 2022 White Sox team. Yeah, it's the way they're failing. It's, you know, with Grandal pulling up lame when it looked like he might be starting to turn the corner. Although I was still skeptical because it was just singles. He was basically hitting like the, he was, I think, a little bit more on time with his bat. But like the power, the, the lower body torque wasn't there yet. And if he's hitting singles, then that means he has to run more. And that, you know, brings the legs into question. So I was skeptical. Yeah, I still thought he had weeks to go when it came to like his recent hot trade. Like better, but. You know, and I wrote about that too. Like it was weird that you know Grandal went from being babied in terms of catching to catching two day games after night games uh, this week. Like he caught four games in a row: day game, uh, night game, day game, day off, night game, day game, and then his you know leg acts up on him. Just you know, I and then you have you know the leg injuries for you know Aloy recurring, you know, and having his rehab stint interrupted. You have you know Anderson with uh, lower body injuries you have Lynn with lower, like, I don't think this team has a good handle on lower body injuries, uh, be it groin hamstrings, quads, what have you. Like they uh, like, so that makes it hard to, um, you know, even like, even if somehow, you know, Mankata found his form and he is as far away from his form as I think he's ever been. <laughs> like, I think it's fair to say even during COVID, like he was more productive than uh, you know, he is right now uh and and we don't know exactly what's wrong with him like he it just he's not hitting for you know his bat's got nothing it's wet newspaper it's really tough to see like one them getting back their form in a way where all of them are aligned enough to where they're producing at the same time but also just even if they are able to stay in the field like and produce like how long will they be on the field for (laughs) just because when will their next fall step come like this is uh, this is really problematic. And this is why the White Sox did try to make uh, changes to their strength and conditioning. And I don't think it's working right now. Like if they have made changes, like maybe it's something they need a year to see the results. Uh, maybe, you know, bodies were built wrong or something and it needs to be undone. And the lockout didn't help because they were uh, not able to be in contact with players during the off season. So it's, you know, that, that's why I think I'm, yeah, I've tried to take an optimistic tech because you know it sucks to be pessimistic, and I know we have the, I know we have the reputation for being um, downers, like you know, you know, downers grove over here about that's just the way the White Sox operate. But you know, I know that's rough to hear over and over again. Like, and I try to look for ways that it could work, and I also like I didn't want to get too down because this is the re- like we said 92, 93 wins. They should be that. Like, you know, we shouldn't mm-hmm. say 81 because they're going to suck, you know, or like because they're going to screw up or people are going to hurt. Like, no, the expectation is 
expectation should be 95 to 100. We're actually, I think, lowering it to say 92. Forget all the intentional losing they did, but just, you know, it's worth maintaining those standards saying this is what was supposed to be happening. And if they're, you know, well under 500 and the run differential says they should be even worse, like, it's good to remind you, like, even if we may have low expectations, like it is worth reminding, like we watched a lot of losing. We watched a lot of bad baseball fans paid for a lot of intentionally bad baseball for this. So, you know, I, I think it's fair to be, you know, I shouldn't say like, you know, fair to be optimistic. It just, we should voice the optimism because that's what it's supposed to be in a healthy functioning franchise with healthy functioning players. <laughs> like there should be an optimistic outcome to the season. And, uh, but yeah, I think you're even seeing it like an NBC, NBC sports, Chicago, like the way they're broadcasting, the way they're introducing numbers with their lineups, they're roasting the lineups. They're, uh, you know, pointing out the walk rates, the inferior walk rates, of the Dodgers, like highlighting terrible stats. You have Jason Benetti and Steve Stone openly second guessing or first guessing Larusa, like just basically saying like, uh, what is he doing? And just, you know, being very, uh, you know, like Steve Stone will, when he, whenever he says like, it is that whenever he has like a three word response, like, I don't know. It is that. And then silence, like that speaks volumes. And you have Chuck Garfine saying like, I don't get what's happening. And Ozzy Guillen going off like NBC sports, Chicago is not providing cover. And that's what I think, you know, I, I wrote about, yeah, or I tweeted about this, but just saying like the, we watch bad baseball teams. We watch failed rebuilds. We watch things fall apart. But this is the first time I think that NBC Sports Chicago is not trying to launder anything. You know, it just it, they're they're done. They seem to be done with La Russa. They seem to be uh, just done with the bullpen and and just the the bullpen first construction of the team. Uh, they're just there. There's no cover, and that's what I think is just so. Uh, remarkable and I think could just continue to stoke discontent and, 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 and anger and frustration and fire Tony chants and the, the, the fan yelling, Tony, what are you doing? There are two outs. Just like, and just the, the broadcast, yeah, like it just, it's remarkable to me just how, how NBC sports Chicago is just getting out of the way and, and letting them have it. <laughs> They're not maybe doing it themselves, but they're also, uh, it's kind of like, remember that uh, uh, when it was, I think Hunter Strickland punked Bryce Harper for no good reason for like yes. a three-year-old deep, and Buster Posey just let him go. Like Buster Posey did not try to get him away. Like, it's like Hunter Strickland, like, oh, if you get your ass kicked, so be it. Like, that's yeah. like right now. <laughs> NBC Sports Chicago is Buster Posey. Just like, we, we thought we were past this. <laughs> just Go. I'm not, I'm not hurting. <laughs> Chuck Garfine is not going to get nasty tweets for a bad podcast. Jason Benetti and Steve Stone are not going to get tweets for presenting the optimistic outcome anymore. They're just, they're, they're, they're letting, they're letting everybody charge the mound and whatever happens happens. Yeah. The, uh, the fire Tony chants were very loud at the stadium over the weekend. And uh, after this road trip to Detroit and Houston of the white Sox are still below 500 and they are not playing better baseball. Every time, every time they play poorly against Toronto and Baltimore in that homestand, the fire Tony chants are going to be coming out and they're going to be louder and louder throughout the season until the White Sox decide to move on from Tony the Russo. 
But Jim and I will be back after a quick word from our sponsors. But coming up next, we preview the Detroit Tigers series that will feature the 2022 season debut of Lance Lynn next on the Sox Machine podcast. Hey, it's Mike Rankin here, lead editor at FutureSox.com. And James Fox here, senior editor at FutureSox.com. We've got you covered on all things related to the White Sox minors and the MLB draft. James Fox works with our Mike Rankin. They do a great podcast together. It's really a highlight of my week to hear that on Tuesdays. Thank you. Join us every Tuesday on the Future Sox podcast, wherever you get your podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network and SoxMachine.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Sox Machine Podcast. All right. So after the doom and gloom, the Chicago White Sox season continues as they head to Detroit to face the Detroit Tigers for a three-game series. This is the first time that these two teams have met since the opening day series in Detroit when things were so much better for the Chicago White Sox after they won two out of three games against the Detroit Tigers. The Tigers are now 24 and 35. They're nine and a half games back of the Minnesota Twins. They're three and a half games back of the White Sox for third place in the American League Central. They lost on Sunday. In their last 10 games, the Tigers have been playing more inspired baseball is a way I would put it. They are five at five in their last 10 games. They're tougher at home than they are on the road. They are 16 and 17 this year at Comerica. They are eight and 18 on the road. Your pitching problems for this series on a Monday, 6, 10 p.m. Central time. Lance Lynn will be making his 2022 Season debut as Ronnie Garcia will take the ball for the Detroit Tigers on Tuesday at 6, 10 p.m. Central time. Dylan Cease is the scheduled starter for that game. He is being pushed up a day. The Detroit Tigers have not announced and who will be making that start as they are dealing, dealing with injuries to their rotation. They have lost Casey Mize for the season on Wednesday getaway day. This is a 12, 10 p.m. Central time start. 
This is to be announced for the White Sox, and whoever they do have throw will have to go up against Alex Fado. Alex Fado has been pitching very well for the Tigers this season. He has seven consecutive starts of allowing three earned runs or fewer. So that's going to be one of those tough right-handed matchups that this White Sox offense has been terrible against in 2022. So not having high expectations for that particular game, Jim. But let's go back to Lance Lynn. He is making his season debut finally for the Chicago White Sox in 2022. What should we expect to see from Lance Lynn in his first start? That's a great question. <laughs> Watching his rehab starts like it's a, uh... You know, we, we watched Johnny Cueto just go through the rehab circuit or the ramping up in Charlotte circuit, using that as his spring training, basically. And it was a mixed bag. And it was more about getting the pitches in, throwing strikes, you know, getting him, giving himself a chance to get through the innings and get up and down. And if he got hit hard, so be it. The at-bats tend to be pretty quick. But, you know, when it comes to Lynn, when it comes to um, his approach, very fastball-oriented, power-oriented, uh, more or less not going to you know, fool with the change of speeds and, and uh, arm angles, he's going to come right at you. And he's dealing with a, you know, issue with his legs. You know, I do worry that it's going to take a while for the power, like the, the full, uh, the full, yeah, I guess just ability to go through the lineup multiple times uh, and, and still maintain uh, the ability to get in on hitters and, and miss barrels. So I'm hoping for five innings um, and, and relatively easy time. I'm a little bit fearful that you're just going to see a lot of long at bats. You're going to see like a lot of foul balls and just him getting, uh, you know, not, not being able to get the strikeout pitch or the weak pitch in play. And, you know, it's going to be something more along lines of three or four innings and, you know, 80 pitches. Like that, that's, I think what I'm, I'm bracing for right now, just based on, based on what we saw in Charlotte, but also I think just the way we're feeling about the White Sox rotation plans being rushed. Like this doesn't feel healthy. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Cause the White Sox really could use like a Lucas Giolito start here where you're hoping that he can go seven innings. Yeah. With the, the state of the bullpen, because that's going to be my next question. Who is available to pitch? Like, let, let's start with Liam Hendricks. I mm -hmm. am very confused of what is happening with Liam Hendricks and his av availability. Tony LaRusa said after the Sunday loss against the Texas Rangers that Liam Hendricks was not available. Okay, so the beat reporters are getting that, but I don't know if anyone's asking the follow-up question of why is he not available? And maybe they are, and Tony's not answering that follow-up question. And that totally is believable, especially mm -hmm. what has been going on in the last few days regarding Tony La Russa and the beat reporters asking very fair questions to La Russa and him being very defensive uh, regarding those questions. But here is your very expensive closer who suddenly is not available and fans of media are asking, why is he not available? And the White Sox, at least through Tony La Russa, are being very hush-hush about this. Mm -hmm. If Liam Hendricks is not available, Jim, should he not just go on the injured list so the White Sox can call someone else up? Yeah, we just saw that with Aaron Bummer, didn't we? So that's what I think, you know, this is why it's just hard to believe anything going on right now with the White Sox pitching staff and who's around him. You know, we saw it during the 
postseason last year with Rusa having two lineup cards, not being sure if Jose Abreu is going to play and not being sure about, you know, who's going to be pitching game three. And just, you know, I think he likes to have this kind of, you know, strategic, uh, you know, withholding of information. Uh, Even if, you know, it's not going to change plans, like, you know, perhaps there is an advantage for the Rangers not knowing that Liam Hendricks is unavailable, but given the way the White Sox are playing right now and, and, you know, how many players they've had uh, either unavailable, if, you know, on the IL or on the like unofficial IL to where they're just like not playing for four games in a row and that roster spot's going to waste. And, you know, I would think like if I were Tony Roussel, though, like, yeah, I guess he's just, you know, when you have a Hall of Fame ring, I guess he just really probably lose the capacity to care what ordinary people think. Like, you know, what's he going to do? Because, you know, get his plaque removed. No, it's not going to happen. He's already accomplished what he wants to accomplish. So it's, uh, you know, it's a, we go back to accountability, but just, um, you know, you would think, you know, most managers would be like, oh, I want to show everybody that I know what I'm doing. And like, you know, when Liam Hendricks is not pitching the eighth inning and Tanner Banks was pitching the eighth inning, that was still within very much a Larusa. MO that he's shown before of saving his closer for a safe situation, using low leverage guys and high leverage to preserve that. So, you know, I would think if, if, you know, you're, you're throwing everything uh, at the Rangers and Cueto's going five and just, you're, you really have cease warming up in the bullpen and you're throwing everything at them. I think you'd want to show the uh, ability to say like, Hey, you know, I know it's, you know, Hendricks not sure if he's going to pitch. So that way, if you see Tanner Banks up, you know, like, oh, okay, Hendricks is not available. This isn't Larusa being uh, outdated. There you are, okay? uh, going by code that nobody abides by anymore. At least nobody successful abides by anymore. But because he's not concerned with that, you do get a lot of this, um, you know, smoke and mirrors and and uh, sleight of hand, or he tries to. Except nobody, the White Sox are good enough for anybody to really care that granularly about who's going to be appearing because like, Oh, if Liam Hendricks appears, so what we won't score. And then we'll just wait for the next inning to score because the white Sox won't be scoring. Like just, it's a, they'll just wait them out until a pitcher. They can, you know, Matt Foster or Jose Ruiz gets in the game and, and then you know, the, the, the damage will be done. So yeah, it's, um, I, I got a, in my mentions, Josh Schaefer said, like, you know, told me to go back, watch Friday night and see if you could see Hen- you know, Hendricks, like, look like he tweaked something. Because uh, he had that issue before where he had the, the back act up on him and he pitched through it and then he was unavailable for a few days. So maybe, you know, that's something to it where it's just, you know, that kind of issue flaring up again that he's managing. But, yeah, it doesn't bode well. And you have all these pitchers being used. Yeah, Bennett Souza getting up again for a potential 13th inning when nobody wants to see him in any situation, like just, you know, he's, I think, run his course in terms of being able to get major league hitters out at this point and probably needs to go back to Charlotte to figure, you know, out, you know, he can't learn on the fly here. I think he's done, you know, he's learned he can, he tried, you know, it's not his fault. Uh, you know, crochet and bummer being out like that's why he's here, but yeah, he needs to kind of go back to the drawing board a little bit. It's, it's a mess. And I, I think, it, it, you know, I understand why LaRusso, I, I guess this is why I, I, you know, one of the times I wish that they had like a an NFL type injury sheet that they had to abide by and they'd get fined for not, not listing correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, just because like, it'd be helpful to know if like, if you saw Hendricks was questionable or probable and he doesn't pitch a game like, okay, good. And they are really not good, but just like, okay, this makes sense. The strategy, you know, is accounting for 
this status that was given before the game. Like that would be nice, but because you don't, you just have to trust that Larusa knows what he's doing, and I think it's fair to question what he's doing and question whether bodies are able as well. It's a mess. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine Matt Foster is available because Matt Foster's pitched a lot of innings or at least a lot of pitches in the last couple of days. Uh, Bennett Sousa, as you mentioned, he was warming up. He's been used a lot. Jose Ruiz has been used a lot. Tanner Banks was used for multiple innings. I'm I'm sure he's not available uh, on Monday. Kendall Grayman may not be available on Monday as he has not been throwing back-to-back days often. So you got Liam Lopez got, not available. Yeah, Ronald Lopez is not going to be available. So you have Lance Lynn making his season debut. I'm with you. It's probably going to be 80 pitches, which means if he can get you five innings, that's amazing. But be ready to settle for four innings. Who is left in this bullpen that could help take five innings right now for the White Sox? Kyle Crick. That's a lot for Kyle Crick. We've seen him pitch. We, we've seen him pitch too. That's and yeah. if they are in a safe situation, I'm like, who's closing that out? If Liam Hendricks is not available, this is this is why for this series, you know, everyone could say, well, it's the Tigers. All right, easy series win. Not really with the state of the White Sox pitching. Like the White Sox offense may have to put up ten plus runs. Uh, to to secure a win. It may be a high-scoring game because the White Sox are just out of gas. The, the White Sox pitching situation reminds me a lot because I've been watching the college baseball postseason of these super regional games where teams run out of pitching early because they give up four or five runs in the first two innings, and then you just have these huge blowout losses like 11-4 to four because the other team just doesn't have enough pitchers and they wave the white flag and – they're like, fine, we'll give up this game and, you know, regroup and try to win game two to force game three in the Super Regionals. This is kind of the state of the White Sox right now. They're just out of pitchers. And it it does make me frustrated about this 40-man roster because there are guys in this 40-man roster, Jim, that I don't know why they're on the roster. Mm-hmm. They can't help the White Sox right now. Like, the mentality should be when you are building a team that the 40-man roster are guys that can help you on the major league level. If they are not going to help you in the major league level, they should not be on your 40 man roster at this point. And the White Sox or DFA, you know, you're a Mercedes. Maybe he comes back. Maybe another team claims him. Maybe you'd be better off for your Mercedes if another team claims him and he joins their organization to give him another opportunity to play in the majors. But it's pretty clear like the White Sox need more pitchers. And you may need Davis Martin to make that spot start on Wednesday. Uh, as the TBA and then try to save Giolito and then I guess uh, Cueto and maybe Kopech if his knee's okay for the Houston Astros series. Like Mm -hmm. this is where things get really dicey for the White Sox is who's, who's available to pitch even on Monday and you're going to have to take it day by day. And Dylan sees needs to have, he's always been great against the Tigers gym he needs to continue being great against the Tigers because they really need him on Tuesday uh, to go deep into that game. Like he may have to throw another 110 pitches, but hopefully it's a successful 110 pitches where he gets you into the eighth inning. Yeah. They just, you know, signed Parker Markle, which is, I have no idea who that is. Yeah. And you know, we, we say you on Ibar who just kind of has thrown a few, handful of innings in Charlotte. 
Uh, Burr, I think, is hurt. So, yeah, just right now, I think, you know, basically it's – I'm hoping what you'll see. And, and you know, with Lynn coming off the injury list, he's going to need a roster spot. So we are going to see some of these fringe players being bumped off, which is probably good. You know, I think, you know, between, like, roster spots 38 and 40, I think, you know, Hans is going to have to get super transactional, throw stuff against the wall, have, uh, you know, like, Right now in Charlotte, like Zach Muckenhern, who is like a lefty, I think he was in Baltimore's organization for the White Sox signed him a minor league deal, but like he's having like the only good season between Birmingham and Charlotte's bullpens. Like, give him a shot. Like you can like you know, basically like you know, swap out Ibar for Muckenhern or you know, Anderson Severino. He showed that he couldn't throw uh strikes in the major leagues. Like, you know, it, I think it's gonna take that just you know, a relentless churning of those like last three roster spots uh just trying to find something to buy them time because uh yeah as you as we listed uh, just, you know, kyle crick and that's it that's it yeah, right now basically yeah so again when the white Sox do make those roster moves we will be covering them on the website at socksmachine.com and you can follow us on twitter at socksmachine you can follow me on twitter at socksmachine josh as we do get that news and updated information later on Monday. But we will be recapping this White Sox-Tiger series. Hopefully, it's a successful one, and the White Sox win this series and help improve their record against American League Central. Because if they lose this series, Jim, two out of three, God forbid, if they get swept by the Detroit Tigers, that is a terrible place to be as the Chicago White Sox are visiting the Houston Astros uh, this upcoming weekend. And I am not expecting that series to be a very fun one for the Chicago White Sox. But that will do it for this episode of the Sox Machine Podcast. Jim will be answering your P.O. Sox questions in an upcoming column on SoxMachine.com. So definitely check that out if you are send a Patreon your, supporter. Yep, and send your questions. You, you know, I, I sent out the notification to fill the mailbag, so please do. Probably I'm, we're looking at Tuesday for getting it up, so there's some time. All right, excellent. So if you would like to ask Jim a question to be answered about the state of the White Sox or life itself, uh, you can do so by becoming a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash Machine, where our Patreon supporters, they get more. They get ad-free versions of both the podcast and the website. They get exclusive content and they get the first opportunity to acquire our Socks Machine swag. Monthly plans start at $2 a month and you can save with an annual subscription and again, you can sign up at patreon.com slash Socks Machine. That will do it for this episode of the Socks Machine podcast. You can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts, such as Spotify and Apple Music. And the Socks Machine podcast is a production of SocksMachine.com. You're home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball and part of the Blue Wire podcast network. Alongside Jim Margulis, I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.